Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. I'm Steve Hartman-Kaiser, and I'll be guiding our worship time today. Whatever road you are traveling, you are welcome in this place. It is a place where we rest and find refreshment. Every week on Sunday afternoon, we gather together to pause for perspective. How will we walk the road we are on? How will we walk in a good way in Creator's world? And we remember that we are not alone on this road. We have Jesus as our guide and the friends in this room as our companions. You too are welcome. Rest with us. Walk with us. Let's begin with a prayer of thanks. Pray with me. Creator, we give you thanks for all you are and all you bring to us for our visit within your creation. In Jesus, you place the gospel in the center of this sacred circle through which all creation is related. You show us the way to live a generous and compassionate life. Give us your strength to live together with respect and commitment as we grow in your spirit. For you are God, now and forever. Amen. Our call to worship is number 866. Um, this is a reading in English and in French, and we're going to do it in both. So if you would like to respond, we'll read one phrase in French, and then jump over to the English, and then back to the French, and you can respond in either or both languages as you uh, care to. 866. Ouvre nos oreilles pour entendre ta parole. Open our ears to hear your word. Ouvre nos yeux pour discerner ta présence. Open our eyes to see your presence. Ouvre nos bras à l'accueil de la communauté. Open our arms to the embrace of community. Ouvre nos esprits à la beauté de la vérité. Open our minds to the beauty of truth. Ouvre nos cœurs à la joie de la nouvelle vie. Open our hearts to the joy of new life. Our first, uh, let's see, oh, We'll now hear a, a poem about how God is our guide and protector, and then we're going to sing a few songs that uh, uh, reflect this longing, our need to uh, need for God, and our desire to have God walk with us in this world. Psalm 23. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. 
Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. Let's sing number 660, The Lord's My Shepherd. You're welcome to stand if you'd like to stand. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. My soul he doth restore again, and me to walk doth make within the paths of righteousness, in for his own namesake. Yea, though I walk in death's dark veil, yet will I fear anew, for thou art with me and thy rod and stand still. My table thou hast furnished in presence of my foes. My head thou dost with oil anoint. My cup overflows. Goodness and shall surely follow me, and in God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. And then turn to number 600, O Thou in Whose Presence.
Across the page is another song of longing in a completely different style, 601, Lead Me, Guide Me.
One of the good ways that we are called to walk in this world is humility. We remember who we are and who we are called to be. This is called confessing. We've already done some confessing just in our singing, so we're going to do it again by reading the last three verses of 601. If you'll turn to 601, starting with I am weak and going through lead me, O Lord, lead me, and we'll do that three times for all three verses. Let's confess together. I am weak and I need thy strength and power to help me over my weakest hour. Help me through the darkness thy face to see. Lead me, O Lord, lead me. Help me tread in the paths of righteousness. Be my aid when Satan and sin oppress. I am putting all my trust in thee. Lead me, O Lord, lead me. I am lost if you take your hand from me. I am blind without thy light to see. Lord, just always let me thy servant be. Lead me, O Lord, lead me. Hear these words of assurance. God walks with you, before you, behind you, beside you. The Spirit, she is closer than your very breath. Jesus is your guide, wherever you are, wherever you are going. Be at peace. Share this peace with each other in the way you feel most peaceful. You are welcome to sit and offer a sign of peace or wander around and share a sign of peace. Share this peace with each other. Our scripture for today is John 9, the entire chapter. And I have, uh, I'm very pleased to have a number of people helping to enact this for us. So, we almost had a chance to run through this once before the service. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciple asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? Neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went away and washed. And when he returned, he could see. The man's neighbors and those who used to see him, passing of the mic, when he was a beggar, said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? It is. 
No, it's someone who looks like him. How are you now able to see? The man they called Jesus made mud, smeared it on my eyes, and said, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I, so I went and I washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? I don't know. Then they led the man who had been born blind to the Pharisees. Now, Jesus made the mud and smeared it on the man's eyes on a Sabbath day. How are you able to see? He, made, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I could see. This man isn't from God because he breaks the Sabbath law. How can a sinner do a miraculous signs like these? What do you have to say about him since he healed your eyes? He's a prophet. The Jewish leaders didn't believe that the man had been blind and received his sight until they called for his parents. Is this your son? Are you saying he was born blind? How can he see? We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind. But we don't know how he now sees, and we don't know who healed his eyes. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jewish authorities. This is because the Jewish authorities had already decided that whoever confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be expelled from the synagogue. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner. Here's what I, I do know. I was blind, and now I see. What, do you, what did he do to you? How did he heal your eyes? I already told you, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this man is from. This is incredible. You don't know where he's from, yet he healed my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. God listens to anyone who is devout and does God's will. No one has ever heard of a healing of the eyes of someone born blind. If this man wasn't God, he couldn't do this. You were born completely in sin. How is, that, how is that that you dare to teach us? Then they expelled him. Jesus heard they had expelled the man born blind. Do you believe in the human one? Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Lord, I believe. I have come into the world to exercise judgment so that those who don't see can see and those who see will become blind. Surely we are blind, aren't we? If you were blind, you wouldn't have any sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. So that was really awesome. And I'm sort of feeling like maybe I don't need to give a sermon now because like that really did it. So thanks you guys for doing that. Um, but because I wrote some stuff, I guess I'm just gonna give it. Um. So first I wanna start with a disclaimer. I'm gonna be talking about darkness and light and I'm also gonna be talking about healing because that's what these scriptures ask us to do. But because these themes have been perverted by Christians over the years, I just want to say that light and darkness are just that, light and darkness. They don't have inherent goodness or badness, and they definitely don't correlate to skin tones. 
And I hope that by the end of this sermon, you're also going to see that physical healing is not the point of this story or a reward for belief. I could preach a whole sermon on these things, and I have in the past, but if you want to talk more about that, I'm happy to do that after the service. Okay, so that's the disclaimer. Now back to your regular sermon programming. I have babies on the brain. To be honest, that's a lot of the time with me. I love young children. I love making babies smile. I love kids with their wacky brains and interesting questions. And I love being the first person to hold a brand new life, welcoming them into the world. Admittedly, even a little more today than usual since I was on call last night working to support women as they give birth. Many of my patients speak Spanish, and one of my favorite phrases in that language is dar la luz. Dar la luz means to give birth, but the words directly translated mean to give the light. To give the light. Isn't that a beautiful way to imagine birth? Sometimes as I'm saying the phrase, I literally imagine that little person who has only known comforting darkness for all of their growing months being pushed forward or lifted up into a bright space, blinking with the newness of the light as they take their first breath. I mean, how cool is that? To give the light doesn't mean that the light is better or that the darkness was bad. It simply tells the passage of a person from one to the other moving from the womb to the world. Our other lectionary texts today also share the themes of darkness and light. Ephesians encourage us to live as children of the light, exposing sins that have remained hidden. In the 23rd Psalm, the narrator shares that God has been a companion through the valley of the shadow of death. And in John's passage, Jesus gives the light, literally, healing a person who had been born without sight And it's this story that I wanted to focus on today. Now, the Gospels tell us that Jesus did many miraculous acts of healing, so much so that the crowds followed him and pressed against him, hoping that he would heal them all. We only have accounts of some of his healings and miracles. And for me, that begs the question, why did this one make it into our Bible? Why did this one stand the test of time? And I'd argue that it's probably not actually about the physical act of healing at all. Two weeks ago, our scripture was the story of Nicodemus, where Jesus was talking about being born again as a new creation, a fresh birth in God. And Nicodemus asks whether he needs to crawl back inside his mother's womb, literally interpreting Jesus' words in the most literal and weird way possible. And last week, we told the story of the woman at the well. Jesus talks about living water, and she wonders how he is going to draw the water out of the deep well without a bucket. Again, not quite getting what he's saying at first. This week, we're talking about blindness. And what do you think the odds are about this story being just about the physical malady that this man was born with? Probably not much. This story isn't just about physical blindness. In fact, by the end of the story, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that they are spiritually blind, and the physical blindness of the man is almost beside the point. In John's telling of Jesus' life, everything Jesus does and is are metaphors for things that are deeper and more spiritual than what may be seen at first glance. As one person I read put it, John is an evangelist, not a biographer. Now, as I was writing this sermon, I wondered what the man born blind's name actually was. He's just called the man born blind, not named. So I thought I'd give him a name so that I'm not always calling him the man born blind. 
So how about Simeon? Thank you, Chris. Chris tells me this is a very common name uh, at this time. So Simeon, the man who was born blind and who has been a beggar in his community. Let me briefly retell his story in seven scenes. Scene one, Jesus heals Simeon, putting mud on his face and telling him to go wash. Then Jesus leaves. Scene two, Simeon, who is now healed, is questioned by his neighbors. His neighbors aren't even sure that Simeon is who he says he is. He tells them that Jesus has healed him, but is now gone and he doesn't know where he is. Scene three, the Pharisees question Simeon, who continues to say that Jesus is a prophet who has opened his eyes. Scene four, now the Pharisees are questioning Simeon's parents to make sure Simeon really was the man who'd been born blind, and the parents said, hey man, we weren't here, we're not sure, ask our son. Simeon is old enough to answer for himself. Scene five, the Pharisees question Simeon again, who seems to be getting frustrated by now, and Simeon says again that Jesus is the one who opened his eyes. Angry, the Pharisees drive him out, saying, you were born entirely in sins and you are trying to teach us? And now Jesus comes back. Scene six, Jesus hears that Simeon has been driven out of his community and Jesus returns to find him and speak with him. Jesus says that he is the son of God and Simeon believes. And scene seven, Jesus returns to the Pharisees and challenges them saying, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. And did you notice that this story about Jesus doesn't actually have Jesus in it for very long? He does a miraculous healing and then drops completely out of the story for 27 verses. That's actually the longest time in John's gospel that the adult Jesus is absent. So why does he go away for so long? Well, there's a bunch of different answers to that question, but the one I really liked came from Joanne Brandt, who's a professor emeritus at Goshen College. She says that the narrative of the healed man in some way parallels Jesus' own story, including the fact that one, the crowd questions his identity, he tells them that I am, he speaks frankly and logically throughout but is treated as an invalid witness, he's accused of being a sinner, and he combats the Pharisees with sarcasm and truth. This is a story within a story highlighting the punchline at the end. Those who think they can see are blind to the truth, while one who is blind and a sinner and an invalid witness is the one who sees Jesus, who, who Jesus is. It also gives us, followers of Jesus after he has physically left the earth, an idea of how we should go on. Like the healed man Simeon, we should imitate Jesus as a bold witness to the truth despite opposition. And this story is about us, too. Jesus came and offered us healing, salvation, and goodness, and then he left. We wonder what's going on, what Jesus really meant, and get ourselves all worked up and anxious, blaming each other and not trusting each other. We've even separated people from our communities because we weren't certain that God's grace was meant for them, too. And yet, Jesus comes back to find us again and again, offering healing and belonging and hope. And when Jesus returns and we see his spirit moving again, are we ready? Because it is great that Jesus keeps calling to us, keeps coming back, and it's great that Jesus transforms us, but transformation is not often easy, 
and it's always disruptive. Just look at Simeon. He wasn't recognized by his neighbors after his sight was restored. People only knew him by his faults or his disabilities. And as soon as those were stripped away, he became unrecognizable. Simeon wasn't believed when he spoke the truth about what he'd seen and how he'd been healed. His family distanced themselves from him, fearing repercussions from the religious authorities, and he was eventually kicked out of his society. Jesus changes things. He disrupts things. When he shows up, the status quo is turned upside down. The lowly are lifted up, and the mighty bend their knees. And we often celebrate that change, wish for the change that Jesus would bring to our egocentric world, wanting Jesus to come and destroy empires. But fully welcoming Jesus also means that our lives will be disrupted, that change will come to our understanding of the world. Sometimes it's easier to live with our current understanding of ourselves, however blind we might be to our own faults or misunderstandings, than it would be to step into Jesus' new identity for us, to potentially give up everything for the life that Jesus is offering to us. Yesterday, I was the first person to hold a baby, and actually barehanded on one hand because it came too fast for me to get both gloves on. That child had lived in the darkness for nine months. The darkness was a nurturing space, a place of growth and development. But in the birth process, the child was given the light, transforming into a being separate from his mother's body, taking in the first breath of a new world. Leaving the comforting darkness was an essential step on his journey. Jesus calls us to the same transformation, one that can be just as drastic as birth. What would it mean for us to bravely step into the life that Jesus has imagined for us, to welcome the disruption, and to do it with the full support of others who are looking for that disruption in their own lives? When Jesus comes to us in our blindness, in our searching, and invites us to step into new birth, when Jesus gives us the light and calls us to be transformed, Will we cast aside our fears and courageously follow? We'll continue this reflecting on darkness and light um, with the song 808, Between Darkness and Light. Um, I'm going to sing this in Arabic, um, and then we'll sing it twice in English. Azrabuzur Ahur 
between darkness and light I will always walk and wherever I will go I will open a window of light and will plant the seeds of love I will We're going to begin our prayer time uh, with uh, a song that uh, was written, uh, a prayer that finds its uh, starting point in Oak Flat. Um, and uh, so we'll listen to that and then we'll begin our prayer. We As we continue our time of praying, when I say, God of mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. And we will complete our time of prayer by praying the prayer that Jesus taught. And we will use the version that's printed on the back of your order of worship. This is the First Nations Bible version, which is written to reflect the worldview of indigenous people of North America including the Potawatomi, Ho-Chunk, and uh, Menominee, and many other nations who remain our hosts on this land. So we'll say this prayer when I say, we pray in the good way that Jesus taught us. Let us pray.
the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit herself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. Sheltering God, we pour out our hearts because you are a refuge for us. In your mercy, hear our prayer. You lead us with light and truth. We pray for ourselves and those dear to us. Thank you for everyone present here, for the gift they give each of us by their example, by love, by their desire to follow you. We pray for our discernment as a congregation on how to live in solidarity and peace with our neighbors in Milwaukee, specifically as we think about who our neighbors and hosts are and who they might be. God, we give thanks that you came back for Simeon when he was thrown out and that you come back for us wherever we are on our walk. In your mercy, hear our prayer. You provide for all, the poor, the rich, the stranger near at hand and the sister far away. We pray for our community and our neighbors. In your mercy, hear our prayer. You are the help and hope of your people. We pray for the church in all places that we may be one. In your mercy, hear our prayer. All the nations belong to you. We pray for the world, for the beauty of your ways in the spirit world above to be reflected in the earth below. We pray for Oak Flat and for those who need that land to worship and remember. We pray for those in the legal system who will decide its fate. May they be just and compassionate for the land and the Apache people of Chichil Bildagotil. In your mercy, hear our prayer. For other concerns we carry in our hearts, In your mercy, hear our prayer. God of grace and glory, you fling the stars into the heavens. You see every sparrow fall. Deepen our trust in the mystery of your power shining through Christ Jesus, that we may live your love for the world. We pray in the good way that Jesus taught us. O Great Spirit, our Father from above, we honor your name as sacred and holy. Bring your good road to us, where the beauty of your ways in the spirit world above is reflected in the earth below. Provide for us, day by day, the elk, the buffalo, and the salmon, the corn, the squash, and the wild rice, all the things we need for each day. Release us from the things we have done wrong in the same way we release others for the wrong done to us. Guide us away from the things that tempt us to stray from your good road and set us free from the evil one and his worthless ways. Aho, may it be so.
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and faith so that you overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending song is number 437, The Lord is My Light. Stand if you wish to. I think that last line is a, a good line, kind of echoes what Connie was saying, that um, we, need, we need strength um, and to not be afraid. Um, so I hope you have felt a little bit of hope um, and, and a way to walk in a good way this week. Um, thank you to everybody who's participated in this service, um, Stolpe boys as always, um, for music and tech, um, for greeting, um, sharing uh, a sermon for all of the readers um, in English et en français, um, and, and for all of you for, for uh, being attentive, for being a part of this service. Um, uh, it's a, your presence here makes it a, a beautiful and important um, strengthening time for us all. Continue in peace. <laughs>